Pastor Leon and his wife Sheila founded Gospel Tabernacle Church in 1982 in the heart of Lawrence, South Carolina. Since then, the Lord has richly blessed and increased the ministry and family of Gospel Tabernacle Church. Here at Gospel Tabernacle, we believe in the power of the Word of God to change the hearts and lives of believers. Gospel Tabernacle is a family church ministering to the whole family through the charismatic teaching ministry. Today's message will grow your faith and draw you close to the Lord as you open your heart to God's Word and His Spirit. And we'll make our confession before the Lord today. Amen. Amen. God bless you as we do. Lift your Bible high and say this. We say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. And I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'll never be the same. I'm about to receive the indestructible, incorruptible, the ever-living seed, the Word of God, and I'll never be the same, never, 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 in Jesus' name, somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody beside you, smile real big, and you can be seated as you are as well. Amen. If you see our text that I have on the overhead here before you today, I'm going to try to uh, get us to a place today where I've been wanting to get to for the last several weeks. I hope we're going to make it today and, and in fact, to maybe head on to something a little bit different the next time we come together. But uh, let me pull up my notes here that I have. And uh, we've been talking uh, and using for a text, Deuteronomy 8.18, it says, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day, Deuteronomy 8 and 18. Number one, always remember, there's nothing any more important in your life than your soul salvation. You can have all the wealth, the money, the riches that this world has to offer. If you lose your own soul, the Bible says in the book of Luke, what has it profited you? What have you gained if you lose your own soul? The number one most important thing in your life is Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. And so that's our starting place. But... The fact that we receive Jesus makes us ready for eternity. And thank God for that. The blood of Christ upon our lives, cleansing us from all of our sins, and we are ready for eternity. But, you know, my eternity there with Christ in heaven has not started yet. I've got at least a few more hours maybe today. Who knows? Maybe a few more days, a few more weeks, months, years, whatever the case may be, to live on planet Earth. And while I'm here, I like living here with a lot of things going on in my life. I like having the joy of the Lord in my heart and in my life. I love having a song on the inside. I love being happy. I love being in love with, with the girl of my dreams. I love that. I love loving all of you. I love being part of family. I, I love those things. I like being well where I don't have sickness and disease in my body. I like having health and strength that I can run and move. And I love, I enjoy all those things. And there's something else I like too. And you probably can tell I like to eat. The problem with the eating part is it costs something. It costs money, isn't that right? And everything you do in this life costs money. And what happens many times in our lives, because we do not handle the money subject right in our lives, then we suffer lack. We suffer lack in the, in the area of our food. We suffer lack in the area of our clothing, of our housing, of our transportation, of our lives, of our giving, or of our blessing, of our sharing with other people. We suffer lack. 
when we do that, then we get in trouble with our girl of our dreams sometimes. And you know what? We fuss and we argue. We don't do it. But we fuss and we argue about money, about things. And, and it becomes a money struggle and a money problem in our life. We're angry with our neighbors. We're mad at the government. We're mad at this person, that person, that, and those kind of things. All issues focused around money. And so if you get this money thing right in your life, if you get this right according to the word of God, you're going to have a much better life here as you serve the Lord headed toward the glorious place we call heaven. And I want to enjoy the trip. How about you? I want to have a good trip from here to heaven. I want to honor God. And I don't want to be hindered by asking myself, what am I going to do for God? And I have to check and see if I've got enough money to do that. I don't want to live a life like that. I don't. I don't want to live a life like that. I don't want to live a life that says that the Lord wants me to give and share and bless with someone, and yet I don't have enough money to do that. And so what I put together here, and of course I didn't put it together, I just sort of condensed it down, is these financial word scriptures that I call it. And they're all on the sheet. We've been talking about those for the last uh, several weeks, and you can see them right there. I'm not going to go through all of them. But remember this. It is God who gives you the power to get wealth. And with all the abuse in the world and all the problems and the greed and different things the world has around this subject of money, remember one thing. If money in itself was bad, God wouldn't give you power to get it. It is the love of money that is the root of all evil, not money itself, not that. It's the love of money. When you put money before God, when you put money before other people, when you have greed in your heart and your life and you love it and your next day is nothing but another opportunity for you to get more and more money and your life is consumed with money, that's no way to live. That's a terrible way to live. You should be consumed with the Lord Jesus Christ and your service and love and commitment to him. Somebody say amen. That's where we need to be. And so all those things being said, recognize if God, if wealth was bad, God wouldn't give us power to get it. And he did. Another scripture you can see there on your financial word scriptures. I've given you the second one down. Deuteronomy 28 verse 12. Notice the end of the verse. It says that as God says that unto the nation of Israel, you'll lend to many nations and you shall not borrow. Now, now notice the Lord opens unto you his good treasure. He gives you the heavens to give the rain like we have today. The land and the season and to bless all the works of your hand. And so recognize this. He gives that power to lend to many nations and not borrow. The blessed life is a life where you don't have to borrow. The blessed life is when you do not have to borrow money. Then you are truly blessed. The Bible doesn't teach that borrowing money is a sin. But the Bible does not teach that borrowing money is good. In fact, we'll see that as we go along. We go down to Job 36, about the bottom of the page there. Job 36, verse 11. The Bible says, if you obey and serve him, Then you'll spend your days in prosperity and your years in pleasure. So if I will obey God, if I will serve God, put him first and foremost in my life, then he says, I'll have days of prosperity, days of blessing, and years of pleasures, it's telling me there. Next page. If you look at about the fourth one down, Proverbs 3, 9, 10, and 11, or 9 and 10, and that's all I have here. Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all your increase. We're told to honor God with what we have. So whatever we amass in this world, as far as worldly goods, it is all going to be for the praise and the glory of God. We are going to honor God with our substance. If we do that in all of our increase, if we do that, verse 10, so shall your barns be filled with plenty and your presses shall burst out with new wine. As Sierra gave her testimony today, I couldn't help but think when she said the amount she asked for, they gave her 10 times more than what she'd asked for in order to get her out there, those kind of things. Gave her 10 times more. I'm thinking. There, there's, and, and, you know, in my mind, I'm known <laughs> way down a little. And I said, here's this little girl right here. 
And, you know, you always be mom and dad's little girl. You know that, don't you? But anyway, I said, that, I said that's a little girl right there. I'm, I'm just seeing growing up, and I've seen her all of her life put God first in her giving. So, you know, we can shout hallelujah and amen and, and blessing the Lord. Thank God for it, yeah. But she did something. She did something in her life. She put God first with her finances, put God first with her money. And when that happens, then the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. And God will take care of you. He'll bless. You'll never lose anything by giving unto the Lord. Anyway, and that's what he's telling us, verse 10. Your barns will be filled with plenty. Your presses shall burst out with new wine. Then if we come on down to Proverbs 22, verse 7, one of the main scriptures that in my whole financial life is right there. Proverbs 22, verse 7, the rich rules over the poor, the borrower is servant to the lender. The borrower is a slave to the lender. The borrower becomes a slave. And that hit me so strongly in the year 2007, hit me so very strongly, and I call myself a slave, and I call myself foolish, and all these kind of things. Dave Ramsey chimed in and called me the same thing, except louder, double, and ten times more. And I began to believe that. When I really began to believe that scripture, I said, I'll never, ever borrow another dollar the rest of my life. And I haven't done it. I haven't done it since then. And that was a, uh, you say, when you make a commitment like that, when you make a commitment like that, does it just become easy and all? No. No, listen to this. I didn't know what was going on until I, I saw this. And I said, I'm going to have to go look that up to make sure. And that was in 2007 that I made that commitment. Do you know what happened? 2007, latter part, 2008, we had that big housing crash and everything that happened during that time. They call it this, uh, you know, mini uh, depression or major recession, whatever you want to know. But, and that was 2007, I made that commitment. When I made that commitment in 2007, never to borrow another dollar the rest of my life, I owed $135,000. And so when I made a commitment, I'll never borrow another dime in the rest of my life, never did. Uh, our, our son went to, you know, uh, college that year, and so we had to pay cash for everything that he did because we won't let him borrow money either if we weren't going to do it. And so none of us borrowed money, and we paid almost $50,000 a year for the next four years to get him out of school debt-free for the next four years. But do you know in 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011, I never got a raise. I went five years without a raise. I got a small raise in 2012, and then in 2013 and 2014, I did not get a raise. I went seven years, and 2015, did not get a raise. I got a small raise in 2016 and 2017. I went 10 years after I made that commitment and never got a raise. But in the same 10 years, I got out of debt. Every bit of it. Somebody say, thank God. Somebody say, amen. Say, Hallelujah. Feels good to be out of debt. Rejoice with me. Somebody say, hallelujah. Amen. In that same period of time, I got out of debt, and we began building our financial fortune at that time. We were able to do that then. And so just because you make a commitment, don't you think that all of a sudden, you know, the skies are going to open, the sun's going to start shining, and everything's going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. No, your commitment will be tested. What you do for God, what you do for him will be tried by the enemy. The devil himself will come against you and fight you in every single way. But if you will stand on the word of God, God will take care of you and you will not lack as long as you put him first. Somebody say amen. Absolutely. I've seen it play out in my life. And whether I've seen it or not, doesn't matter. The word still teaches us that. But I still have the experience of it now in my life to see that that is truly what happened. So I never, ever borrowed money again after that. Don't do it. Never have. Never will. And so... If we look at the bottom of the page, Proverbs 27, 23, be diligent to know the state of your flock. 
Remember I talked about that little net worth thing. Don't get scared about the accounting term. But a little net worth form where you say, okay, here's how much I've got. And you list all of your assets. I've got my car here. I've got a house. I've got some furniture. I've got this. I've got that. Uh, different kind of things like that I've got. And then on the other side, I list what I owe on that house, what I owe on that car, what I owe on that furniture, what I owe on this, that, other. And so on the other side. The difference between the two is how much I'm worth. It's how much I'm worth. One of the most amazing statements I make to people many, many times is this, when I'll be doing financial counseling with them, and they'll say something like, well, you know, I've got so much money. I say, you do? Where you have that at? And they say, oh, right here. I say, well, that's great. I'm glad you do. And I say, well, do you have any debt? Oh, yes, I have debt. And they'll tell me about the debt. They have. So really, then, you don't have any money. Oh, yeah, I do. I have it right here. No, you don't. You've already spent it. You're in debt. You're in debt. That debt will require that money that you think you've got saved. And, and, and so, you know, that's the biggest thing to know the state of your flocks. You need to look and see where am I at financially. Spend some time to do it. Sit down and do it. Write down what things are worth. Write down how much you owe on those things. Write down what is going on in your life. And look at yourself and back up and say, there's where I'm at. And, and get a good accounting or get a good understanding of what you are worth or not worth, how much you're in the hole or how much you're in, in, increased in advance, whatever the case may be. Get that. Know the state of your flock. Spend some time doing that. Some people spend more time, you know, watching a, a couple-hour movie or an hour-and-a-half movie or something like that than they do their whole finances in a whole year long. And what a sad thing that really is on our lives. So you've got to know. Okay, we talked about that. And then look at the next page. We, we also looked and we talked about... Uh, the seventh one, Malachi 3.10, bring you all the tithes in the storehouse that may meet in my house. Prove me now here with saith the Lord of hosts, if I'm going to open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. We learn to put God first and to give unto the Lord first from our first fruits and from our tithe. We put him first place in our life. We, we don't wait. We don't delay. We do that. If you put God first place in your life, you'll never have a problem paying your tithes. It is not hard to pay tithes whatsoever. It's a fun thing to do. We enjoy that. It's one of the greatest uh, times that we have in our life each month. We'll sit down, and before that month begins, uh, we will pay our tithe and write up all of our checks for that month and that kind of thing. And uh, Sheila had a little larger tithe check last week, and she said, glory to God. Thank God we can give God more money. And that's what we want to do. We want to bless the kingdom of God. We want to bless other people. So we put God first. And then, all the way down to the bottom one almost, Matthew 5, 25, 29. For everyone that has shall be given, and he that hath shall have an abundance and from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he has. We studied about those parables last time about saving money. Okay? Saving money. Now then, <clears throat> remember, two most powerful verses of Scripture. Number one is that is we don't go in debt. If you want to become successful financially, and if you want to become prosperous and wealthy, first thing you got to do is get those debts paid off. You have to get your, what you owe paid for, or else you're still in a hole. You've got to get that paid for so you can start climbing out of the hole. As you climb out of the hole, you begin saving, <coughs> investing money, and keeping some of your money. In other words, you pay you. David Box said it like that many years ago, that we pay ourselves first. He talked about it, and he said, make it automatic. In the Automatic Millionaire book, make it automatic to where you don't even look at it, don't touch it. You just, you know, and we can do that today. We've got these electronic checking accounts, and we've got these electronic savings accounts. We can tell the savings account every Monday, take this in, put it in there. Every month, take this and put it in there. Every time, do this, do that, and we just transfer it, and just forget it. Set it and forget it. Set it and forget it. Sounds like almost one of these little baking machines you buy for the kitchen. But you do the same thing, and you're finding it. Set it and forget it. Make it automatic and it continually to come out of your checking account into your savings account and you begin to become a hather. Notice verse 29, Matthew 25, 29, unto everyone that has 
non-income. The biggest fallacy that people think is this, if I made a lot of money, then I could do what you're talking about, Leon. If I made a lot of money, I could. That's not what it says. It's not the person that makes a lot of money. It's not the income. It's the person that has, the person that keeps some of what he's got. If he spends everything he's got, everything, the, the Bible talks about that being foolish in Proverbs, and so we don't do that. We take some of what we get as increase and income, and we keep it. We save it. We keep it. We invest it in ourselves, our family, our children, our future, all of those kind of things. That is what we do. That's the last verse that we looked at the last time. At the very bottom of the page, notice Luke 6 and 38. Brand new. <clears throat> the Bible says unto us to give... And it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down and shaken together, and running over shall men give unto your bosom. Notice it says, for with the same measure, the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Now, we've talked about tithing and, and those kind of things. Uh, of honoring the Lord with our, uh, a portion of our income, a tenth of our income. But now he's talking about something different. This is not the tithe that he's talking about. This is giving and this is sharing and this is blessing. And so every one of us ought to have in our life that part of us that simply just gives. We don't require something for it. We freely give it. We give it to others. We, we bless other people with something that we have. That can take a lot of forms. We can do it with special things here at our church. If you notice, we only take up tithe and offer one time a week. No other offerings. We don't pledge. We don't beg. We don't scream. We don't cry. We don't do any of that. We got one thing that we do here at our church, and that's tithe and offering. That's it. Nothing else. Nothing else. And that's based on the free will uh, of our hearts and our lives that we give and share. But there's other opportunities for you to give and share. There are things that we do in our church. We're spending right now uh, almost $55,000 on the back of the church and renovating the church and doing some things back there. We didn't come in and have you fill out a pledge card or sign away this, that, and other. You're welcome to give if you like. If you don't, that's fine too. God's already supplied the need, and he's going to supply the need. And so that's fine. But that's an opportunity to give. But then you have other opportunities to give too. You have next-door neighbors. You have friends. You have relatives. You have family. You have people that you work with, people you talk to, people that you see, that you need to open up a part of your financial house as an opportunity to give and share and bless with them in some ways of their life. It is so much fun to give and share and bless with other people. Now, notice here, there is a connection. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Sometimes we come to God, we want God to give it to us financially and bless us in some kind of ways. But notice, it, it, this is a responsive type promise. God responds to your giving. If I'm not giving anything in the first place, there ain't nothing for God to give back unto me. See what I'm saying? If, in other words... I don't know how many of us here are expecting to get a paycheck this week and uh, maybe for, I don't know, years ago, Daniel's Construction Company in Greenville. How many would I say would be expecting to get a paycheck from this week? Anybody expecting a paycheck? Good. I don't think any of us are. You know why? You know why, don't you? You don't work for Daniel Construction Company. And so you don't expect to get anything. Same way right here. This is give and it shall be given unto you. Once you give, you set that thing in motion, and it's a miracle action of God that God will cause men. Oh, when I get to heaven one day, we'll be blessed. Well, we will. But on the way there, he'll cause men to give unto us. And there is a direct proportion in our giving. Because the Bible says you don't have it there, but in 2 Corinthians, it tells us, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6, the person that sows sparingly, reaps sparingly. Plant a little, 
get a little. Plan a lot, get a lot. I had a text message this morning uh, from a fellow here that did some work next door to our church and that kind of thing. And uh, he texted me, he said, hey, my wife and I are planting a garden. I want you to know we got you on our list. And when things come in, we want you to come down and just take anything you want out of our garden, whatever. You're just welcome to it. You're just welcome to it. What is he? He is a giver. He is a giver. He wants to bless other people. That's a form of giving. That's fine. That's wonderful. And for that, he will be blessed. God will bless him because he's done that. But if he doesn't give anything in that regard, he won't have that particular seed out there to reap a harvest on. It's just not there. So we have to be in the area of giving. We've got to be doing that in our own lives that we give. And there's a lot of ways that we can do that. There's a lot of ways. And notice it said we give sparingly, we reap sparingly, give largely, we reap largely. And it depends on the measure that you have in your life. Now, and, and again, sometimes people will talk about amounts, and they'll go through churches and ask people, who will give this amount, that amount? How many $100 givers do I have? How many 500000 We don't do that here. You know, because you know what? Somebody can be in our church and give $1 and really gave more than the person who gave 1000 You say, how can that be? How can that be? 1000 is more than a dollar, $999 more. How can that be? Because it's not based on what they gave. It's based on what they had to give. It's the measure that they had. So whenever we give and we share and bless, we look at what do we have to give and we share and we bless in our life. What is available to us to do that with? And as we give, we need to look at that as our measures in life. And if we are still giving the same smaller portion we gave a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, you know, 20, 30, 40 years, if we're still giving that same little measure that we gave then, the world has moved on since then. How many can say amen? And, you know, we need to move on with our measure of our giving, too, when we share and we bless other people and we do things for folks. Well, we've got to do that in our own lives. You remember I told you the story? Notice it's a give, and it shall be given you good measure, pressed down, shaken over, running over. I, I told you this story. I've got several that I could share with you, but this was the most recent one. Well, next most recent one. But um, we were, went down to Little Caesars and uh, ordered a pizza at Little Caesars. And, you know, Sheila and I, we, we, we like, you know, we can go to Little Caesars and order a medium pizza for $8.79. That's a good deal, amen? That's a good deal, amen? So we go to Little Caesars and order that $8.79 pizza. So I go down there and I start to pay for the thing. And I got like a, uh, in my billfold, somehow or another, I hate getting these, but somehow I did. I had a $100 bill in there and I said, well, look, let me just pray for, pay for that and then I'll break that. Uh, and so I'm going to pay for that and I'm going to break it because I'm knowing if I don't pay for it and break it, I'm going to give it away. But anyway, I said, here, I'm going to pay for this and break this right here. Now I hand out a little girl and a little girl looked at me and she had some obvious disadvantages in her physical life. And so she looked at me and she said, uh, I'm sorry, they won't let me take that. I can't take anything above a 20. I said, really? She said, okay, okay. And I got the 100, and I put it back in my pocket, and then I pulled out that cash that I had, and I had $8 or something. I was trying to come up with cash below that 100. And so I came at $8.50-something, and I didn't have the last 79 cents, whatever it was. I didn't have the last 29 cents. And she said, wait a minute. And she looked in her own pocket like this, and reached her hand down and pulled out a change and can't put it back in her pocket and put 29 cents in there and looked at me. She says, it and the Lord good. And I said, well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for giving me that 29 cents. What a blessing that was to me. And she said, that's all right. That's all right. She said, Jesus is good, isn't he? I said, yes, he is. He's very good. So she hands me my pizza and she hands me everything that I got. And while I'm standing like that, I got one hand in the pocket still holding that $100 off my heart. Um, I got in there. 
I walk in. I said, thank you so much. And I pushed that $100 out. I said, here, you, this is yours because you said when you did what you did and you didn't have to do it, but you did anyway. And you told me the Lord's good. And I want you to know, yes, he really is good. Here, I'm going to bless you with this. And, and she took it. She went, ah, like that. She screamed like that. When she did, two other workers came out of the back. And they, I don't know, they thought they were robbing the place or whatever. But they all gathered. What happened? What happened? This guy just gave me $100. He just gave me $100 bills, what she kept saying. And she was so happy about that. But you know what? She wasn't as happy as I was. It felt good to do that. It felt good to bless her. It was, that alone was joyful unto me. I loved doing that. I've done it several times. But I loved doing that. That was fun doing that. You don't know the fun you've had until you bless somebody's life and you see them get that blessing in their own life. That was wonderful. We loved that. Three days later. Three days later, Sheila gets a sale in her business. One sale. One sale three days later that she hadn't got a sale like that in many, many months. Three days later, in fact, about half a year or more. Three days later, she gets a sale that makes her $2,000 in profit. Coincidence? I don't think so. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure. Press that $100 down. You know, running over to 2000 And she makes a $2,000 profit in about an hour's worth of work. I mean, God is good. But it don't happen until we give. I've got to be a giver. You've got to be a giver. And I'm not just giving to get, but at the same time, I do expect to receive something back. It's not like I'm going out here and planting corn seed. And they say, you're just planting that corn seed because you want a corn garden. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's why I'm planting it because I want a corn garden. But there's a lot of other reasons, too. Some other people will help me eat that corn. I'm going to give some corn away, and I'm going to bless some folks. So it's all in the mix there. It really is there, but my prime motivation is to honor God and obey Him. That's the prime motivation. But in the midst of that, I know He'll bless me back, and I know He'll bless other people. And so that's where we're at. So we give, and, and, and we press down, shaking together. We run over, and it's fun to do that. It's fun to do I was telling the guy Trap Supply the other day. I went to Trap Supply and bought a new riding more. It was a zero-turn more. And so went up there. Bought it in Malden because I didn't want to pay the sales tax in Lawrence. And anyway, don't get me started there. But anyway, they, we charge a 1% more in Lawrence than you do in Malden. And plus, the guy that gets it in Lawrence, I didn't want him to have it. So anyway, I, I, I go to Malden, and uh, I'm buying this tractor at Tractor Supply uh, or Zero Turn More. And I'm looking at it, first time in my life, first time in my life. Remember, I just got out of debt in 2007. First time in my life I paid cash for this thing, and I paid cash for other things. But the first time I paid cash for that, and I looked at all that he had. The guy that was talking to me was the store manager, and uh, he had spent some time with me, rode around out there, did this and other kind of thing like this. And I, and I bought that uh, zero turn more, most expensive more than he had in the whole place. And I bought the thing for it, wrote him a check, paid cash for it. And I said, well, I hope you guys make good commission off that. And he said, well, we don't make commission at all. I said, what a shame. And I took out $40 and gave it to him. I said, you deserve something for talking to me all this time. He said, I can agree with that. But anyway, <laughs> he did. He did. But, but you, you bless people and you give. And, and, and reason, you know what? I don't care what get that back or not, but I know I will. You will be blessed when you give and you share and you bless other people. Don't, don't ever underestimate that. I've seen it come back again and again and again and again. When you bless and you do what God's told you to do, you will be blessed. That's not all coming through this church. You've got next-door neighbors that maybe your blessing might be you cut their grass because they've had a problem, they've had an issue. Maybe their mower went down. Maybe they've had sickness in their family. And you know what? You can be a blessing by cutting their grass. Maybe your next-door neighbor got sick and you need to make them you know, some soup and, and take them a bowl of soup. 
Whatever's going on, bless, give, be generous, and you'll see it come back to you. Turn the page. All right, let me show you here. Luke 14, 28. Here's where I want to be. My, my, I got two minutes to get out of here, don't I? Luke 14, 28. I'm going to stretch to 15. Luke 14, verse 28. For which of you, include in, in, intending to build a tower, sits not down first? Everybody say first. And counts the cost whether he has sufficient to finish it. Can you put my budget sheet on overhand? He counts the cost and sees if he has sufficient to finish it. This is an instruction and the wisdom and the teaching of Jesus. Can we get it any bigger, as big as they can get it, that they can possibly see it? I'm getting closer there. All right. That's that green sheet that you have. Here's what you do in order. Now, this is just not me doing it. I've had this sheet that you see out here. I've had it for 30 years, you know, because I was accountant for seven years. But uh, you can go other places. I mean, you can go on Dave Ramsey's website and pull down things just like that. You can go to Ken Copeland's website, pull down things just like that, where I got some of that information that you're seeing there. It's all available to us there. And the thing that we need to do is what Jesus said do. Count the cost. What does it cost you to live this week? What does it cost you to live this month? How much money are you going to get this week? How much money are you going to get this month? Because the money you get this month or this week is the money that you have to live on this week and this month. If you spend more than that, if you spend more than you make, then you will go into debt and you will keep digging your hole as you use those credit cards again and again and again. And you dig and you dig and you dig and you dig. One of the first steps in stopping that is find out how much money you have coming in and how much you have going out. Remember my two rules that I've given you. One is we get out of debt in Proverbs 22. The uh, next thing in Matthew 29 is we start saving. Get out of debt, start saving. How does that happen? How do you make that work when you get out here in your budget? You live on less than what you make. You live on less than what you make. Everybody say, I live on less than what I make. Whatever I make, whatever you make, you must live on less than that. If you live on that, you'll never get ahead. If you live on more than that through borrowing, through credit, and through debt and these kind of things, then you'll be going in the hole and it'll be worse and worse and worse for you the rest of your life. You must learn to live on less than what you make. How do you know that? By this budget sheet that I've got in front of you. Now, for some of you uh, on your iPhones and other things like that, uh, you, you can go on uh, DaveRamsey.com. He has a... Uh, or, or not with me.com on your phone. It'd be through the app. But you can go there and it has something called Every Dollar App. I think you use Every Dollar App. And what it will let you do is plug in all these figures online. Some of you like that. You know, you don't like to see it like I do. But some of you like to do it online. And you can plug every bit of online. And you can see what you're going to bring in and what you're going to bring out and, uh, of that month, spend during that month, and find out how much you got left and whether you're getting ahead or whether you're getting behind. You can see it and it's free. 
The Every Dollar app is free. You plug it in yourself. There's a premium version that it imports all that to you from all your accounts, your bank accounts, your credit cards, your house loan. All, it'll import all that for you. But I think you've got a $5.95 charge, $9.95 charge, something like that a month. I don't know what it is. But it's, but it's out there, something like that. But the basic unit that you can plug it in yourself is absolutely free. does everything the other does. But it's still, you just got to plug it in rather than having it imported. It's the only difference. only difference. But whether it's that or this, you need to count the cost and become aware. Because look what Jesus said in verse 29. Less happily, after he had laid the foundation and not able to finish it, and all that behold it began to mock him, saying, this man began to build, and now he's not able to finish. How many wants to finish your course in this life strong? Somebody say amen. I want to keep the faith and finish the course. I want to do it the right way. How are you going to do it unless you look and see where you are at? What is happening? What is going on? What is taking place in your life? On this chart that I have for you, the monthly budget sheet that I have, you notice at the very top, what you would do is you would list your income. If you get paid weekly, you list in that first little block there in weekly. If you have two workers in the family, you list both incomes there. Well, you say, I don't get paid weekly. I get paid monthly. Well, then put it under the monthly amount. See where I've got monthly there? Or you say, uh, God forbid, you know, you quarterly or yearly. Uh, some folks that might be in sales or other type of uh, opportunities on, on their own business, they may not, you know, make take a draw maybe once a month or once a quarter, whatever that they have. And so wherever it is, you can write it down. If it's weekly, multiply it by 52, and that'll be how much you uh, have there uh, in a year. Divide it by 12, it becomes monthly. So everything becomes monthly on this whole sheet based on those little calculations. Well, then, what do you have? What, what kind of expenses do you have? What about your giving? Uh, I've got 10% here for church giving, our tithe. We always give 10%. We always put God first. And so I'm going to put down whatever my tithe is. It's going right there in that one blank, the first thing on. Next thing, what about retirement? Everybody's not able to, but if you're able to, put 15% in retirement. Uh, you can do it right there and say, this is what I'm going to be saving for retirement. If you have any debts in your life other than your house, if you have any debts in your life other than your house, don't do any retirement. Pay those debts off first. Then once you pay those debts off first, then you can start putting money into your retirement. In other words, anything you would do otherwise would, would just be a farce. I mean, if you would be saving all kind of money in retirement, but you still got your debt way up there, so you retire, get your all kind of money, and then try to pay off all your debts that you still got. So you really didn't have it after all. And so that's what you do. You get your debts paid off first. Then what about your savings account that you might would have? What about your phone? that you might want to have. Some people, does anybody still have a house phone? I got one, y'all got one. How many got cell phones only? Wait, you got cell phones? A lot of, you guys are smart. You guys are smart. We folks with a house phone, I don't know why we just can't let go. I guess we love PRTC so much, we just cannot let go of that little bit of stock, and they give me $56 a year back because we got the stock. But anyway, on that thing, <laughs> capital reinvestment that they get. Anyway, so there's the phone. What about your house payment? What's your payment on your house? Write it down. What about your electricity? What about your gas, water, sewer, cable, or your streaming, your taxes? And then what about your auto payment? Do you have a, you own your car? Write it down. That's one of your bills. What about, do you got two cars? You own two cars? Write both of them down. You, you got to write your gas that you're going to spend that month. What about your repairs you're going to do? What about your insurance? What about your taxes and your tag and all those kind of things? What about your insurance? Do you have life insurance? If you don't have a life insurance, you need to have life insurance. You need to buy life insurance. If you work in your family, you bring an income home in that family, you don't want to pass away, die, whatever the case might would be, and you leave your family not protected. You need to have life insurance. I can't afford it. Stop going out and eat and buy life insurance. 
you need life insurance more than you need to go out and eat. Somebody say amen. It doesn't cost that much. For younger folks, you can get, uh, you know, life insurance, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 dollars a month. It's not anything. You, you, you can get, you need life insurance. Now, that's unless that, uh, you know, you're self-insured. If you are self-insured that you have hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars, then you don't need life insurance. All it be doing is adding to the pile of money you already got. So if you're there, you don't need life insurance. But if you're not there, you need to protect your family with life insurance. You need health insurance. You need insurance on your house. You don't want it to burn down and that kind of thing, and you be out in the cold. Uh, you need money for groceries, meals out, dentist, doctor, laundry, clothing, entertainment, gifts, Christmas, subscriptions, bank loans, student loans, credit card one, two, and three, other, 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 whatever it might be. This gives you an opportunity to write down everything that you're going to be bringing in your home, everything you'll be spending out, and then when you total it all up according to the calculations I've given you here at the bottom, you'll see that I'm either over my budget or under my budget. You want to be under your budget. This will keep you from going into debt, it will also allow you to look at your budget and say, wow, I'm spending this here, and if I wasn't spending this, and I like car payments. I've got two car payments right here. You say, wow, if I didn't have those two car payments, I could have some money to do some things with. So I need to get one unpaid off, and you get one unpaid off, and then you got a little more money then. And so you can throw that money on the other car payment. Get it, throw it off. Then you got lots more money. And then you got this and got that, and finally you get that house paid off. Then you got bukus of money in your life now because you don't owe anybody anything. Not anything other than the little expenses that come through and that kind of thing. And so that's where you want to be in your life. But you will not get there. You will not get there until you honestly sit down, put it down on paper, do it before the month starts, and get together with your family and make sure it's something that will work for all of you and something you can plan out, something you will do. And if you do that, if you do that, it will take you to a place of wealth and blessing. It will take you to a place that, you know what, God wants you to be at. But if not, if not, it will not happen for us. We'll be like that person that built that tower. We sit down, built the tower, and, you know, it collapsed on us. We didn't have enough money to finish it. We didn't do the foundation right, all these kind of things, and what a problem it was to us. Okay, all right, look at the next one I've got, John 10, 10. Scripture says, the thief comes not but for to steal, to kill, and destroy. Now, we've read, and you backed up a little, in Malachi three eleven. we found out that when we're tithing and giving, God says he will rebuke the devourer for our sakes. When we're tithing and giving, he will rebuke the devourer for our sakes. And so this devourer is one that's killing, stealing, and destroying. You want to know how to get the killer and the one that's stealing and the one that's destroying out of your life? Give your tithe. And God says, you do that, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sakes. That's the way to get across. Now look on the other side of it. The scripture tells us, Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly, or have it till it overflows. Have it till it overflows. Do you know that many Christians have this mentality? Lord God, I need you to bless my money, Lord. I'm not asking for much, just enough for me to be able to eat and live in my home and get, you know, just some kind of transportation. Lord, I'm not wanting much. That's, why would you be like that? Why would, you want, why would you not want enough for you and you to have an abundance so you can give and share and bless other people? That'd be the way to go, wouldn't it? Not just enough just for you. You got folks that depend upon you. You got folks that are, you know, counting on you. If you are a husband or a wife in a family and you are working and you have children, you got little kids, whatever they have or don't have is going to be because of you. How you handle your finances, how you handle your monies, what you do with it. It's all based on what you do with what you have. 
And, and so let's, let's walk into this world and have an abundance, not just enough, but abundance till it overflows. Everybody say overflow. Overflow. That's what you want. You want it overflowing. Overflowing. Notice Romans 8, 32. Another scripture. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? If you're still in any kind of doubt that God doesn't want you blessed financially and he doesn't want you to have things in your life, if you are, then just think about the fact God gave Jesus for you. And if he gave his only begotten son for you to die for you on a cross, you think he's going to hold back a few dollars from you? Ain't no way. I'd give you the few dollars all day long before I'd give you one of my children. And if you got one of my children, believe me, anything else wouldn't matter anymore. You would have it all. And that's what God is saying here. He, you know, so, so recognize that if God has given you Christ Jesus in your heart and your life as for your salvation of your sins and he's to take your place on the cross, then a few dollars is not going to matter. I mean, you know, God's going to bless you with that as well. Look at Galatians 3, verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Thank God I didn't have to and you didn't have to. Verse 14, that, that, the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. If you look back, and I've got it written down there for you, it's an amazing read to do, but look back in Genesis chapter 12, and verses 1, 2, and 3, you can see where God calls Abraham and he says he will bless him and he will make him a blessing. Chapter 12, he says that. Abraham has left Ur of the Chaldees. He's up in Haran, which is northern Syria, maybe close right into Turkey, modern-day Turkey today. And uh, he's up in there with, with Lot and other family members that he's brought so far. Uh, and uh, his father dies there and he goes on without him, that kind of thing. Lot goes with him, but everybody else sort of stays. But Abraham leaves. And so it hadn't been a long time since God's called him. And God calls him. He passes through a little bit. He comes down into Israel. Things look bad. They got famine there a little bit. And he goes down into Egypt. And, uh, you know, when he got down into Egypt, he got rich. And from Egypt, he comes back into Israel. And so in one chapter, notice Genesis 13, 1. And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had and lot with him into the south. And Abram was very rich in cattle and in silver and in gold. One of the first parts of the covenant for Abraham was he made him wealthy. You can read it. You only got one chapter, short chapter, from the calling of Abraham to the time it tells you he is rich with silver and gold. He is so rich when he comes back. God has blessed him under the covenant so much that when he comes back into the promised land, he and his nephew Lot came with him trying to determine where they're going to live, and their industry, their empires, if you will, the ranching business they are in, the cattle and the herds and the sheep and all that they have is so big they can't even say, stay anywhere close to each other. Lot looks over the other side and says, that looks well-greened over there. That really looks nice over there. And Lot gets his pick and takes a pick, and he goes out and lives towards Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham gets what's left, and God blesses Abraham. Even though he didn't get the choices of pick, God blesses Abraham way more than he ever blessed Lot. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. Somebody say amen. And it did. And so when you and I are born again, this is the promise that we, and we can have in Galatians. 
that God, Christ Jesus himself, died on the cross, took my curse on there, and the curse of the law that was upon him, he took that, verse 4, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. What is that? Power of the Holy Spirit, of course, being filled with the Holy Ghost. Absolutely. But also part of that covenant that Abraham had was that God made him wealth and he blessed him. How many can believe for wealth today? Somebody say amen. Can you? How many can believe for riches today? Somebody say amen. Absolutely. Absolutely. You say why? Because you're going to use it right. I'm going to use it right. We're going to do things that bless people. We're going to do things that bless us. You know, when I hear people talk about, I don't believe in all this wealth and all this prosperity stuff, those people undoubtedly have never been poor. Because if you've ever been poor, you're glad when you've got something to eat. If you've ever been cold, you're glad you got into a house that's now got heat in it. We didn't get heat in our house, central heat, I, I think it was 1980, something like about 1987, something along there. We heated with a fireplace. It's fun to get up in the morning, and I got an electronic thermostat that turns things down at night and turns it back up in the morning, and I don't have to touch a thing. That's a lot better than having to get up and you got a cold house and trying to start your fire there. Or my daddy used to say, trying to start a fire. Either way, if it got you warm, fire or fire, it didn't matter to me, but anyway, get warm. And so the thing is, is this, recognize that. Be blessed. Be blessed. Have your bills paid. It's fun to have your bills paid. Somebody say amen. Be blessed for that. Don't have any worry. Don't have any kind of, you know, things going on, tension or anxiety going on about how am I going to make this bill, how am I going to make that other bill. Be blessed. Take these scriptures that I've been teaching on these several. Take them. Take the information that I've given you. Feed it into your life. Do something about it. Let, let it really bring change. This is one of those subjects that if all you do is what you do when you sit inside this church morning, you're not going to do very, very much of nothing. But if what you do takes place after you leave the church today and you meditate the Word of God and you stand on the Word of God and you believe the Word of God and you begin applying this to financial life, your life will change. I've seen it happen to numbers of people and your life will change. You're not any different than anybody else. You can have your socks blessed off. God can do wonderful things to you. Let me get down to the last one. Now, you can read the others. Third John 1 and 2. Beloved, I wish above all things. I wish above all things. For the folks that don't believe in all things, I wish above all things that you may prosper, that you be in health even as your soul prospers. As you are born again, as you give your life to the Lord Jesus, as you commit yourself in service and commitment to Him, as you love Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and body, your soul is prospering. And when that soul is prospering, you're filling yourself with the Word of God. You're in prayer. You're seeking the Lord. He's your ever-present friend. He never leaves you and He never forsakes you. He goes with you wherever you go. He leads you and He guides you. He's always there for you. You know Him better than you know anyone. As you do that in your life, then He says, I also want you to be in health. Don't want you sick in your body. Don't want you hurting with pain in your joints or your legs or somewhere else in your body. I don't want you going through those things, God says. I, I, it's not my will that, that's happened to you. I don't want you dying of sickness and disease and taking you out of your life early. He doesn't want that. And he also says, I want you to prosper. I don't want you doing without. I don't want you to have your, your nerves on edge, you know, worried, all these kind of things about where the money's coming from or not having adequate supplies for your home and your family and, your, and those that are around you, those that you love, or you see somebody that needs to be blessed and not being able to bless. He doesn't want you like that. He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to be prosperous. He wants you to be healthy, and he wants you living right serving him. How many can agree with that? Say amen. God bless you. Stand up on your feet this morning. Let's go before the Lord in Jesus' name. Lord God, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, we give you praise. Stretch your hands up toward the heavens. Stretch your hands toward the heavens. 
Everybody pray this prayer. Say, Dear Father, I give you praise. I give you glory. Say this. Say, according to Psalms 139, search out my heart. If you find any unclean thing in my life, take it away. I give it to you. Wash me. Cleanse me. Purge me, Lord Jesus, from every sin, anything in my life that would hinder my relationship with you. I give you all that I am. Lord God, all that I am includes my financial house. I give it to you, and I expect to be blessed, to be prosperous. Thank you, Father God. All my bills are paid. Thank you, Lord God. All my debts are paid in full. Thank you, Lord God. You supply all of my needs. Thank you, Lord God. There are wealth. There are riches in the house of the righteous. Thank you, Lord God. Because of the blood of Jesus, I am the righteous. And I give you praise. I give you glory. All my needs are supplied by you, Lord God. You never, Lord God will see me forsaken or out begging for bread. Thank you, Father God. I am blessed with abundance. My cup runs over. I am full of the joy of the Lord, and God supplies all my needs in the name of Jesus. Somebody shout hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Good to see you in the house of the Lord today. Glad that you're here with us. Thank you for listening to this faith-filled message. Please connect with us at our website, gospeltabernaclechurch.com, so we can continue to be a part of your faith walk. And if you're listening today and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, now is the time to do that. Now, today, is the day of salvation. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Father, I believe you sent your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins on the cross. And you have raised him from the dead that I might be alive in him. Jesus, I confess you are Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome. You're now in the family of God. You're a child of God. Connect with us. Let us know if you prayed that prayer. We want to be right there alongside you as you walk out this journey of faith in Christ. God bless you. 